Welcome to Six Degrees of Rumination with your hosts, Nina Boyd, Reno Gorman, and their producer, Mike. So we've got uh, some stuff about uh, your brain and how smart you really are. Awesome. How smart do you think you are? I think I'm really smart. You must be really, really anxious. Though, I, I actually bet. am, yeah. yeah. But it's my own brain that's thinking I'm smart, so who knows? Yeah, that, that's, that's Maybe I'll self, about it for a yeah, while and worry that it be, stuff. Yeah, no, it's not, not good reliable. Yeah. Uh, I've got stuff about animals and how smart they think they are. Mm-hmm. You know? um, but first, we came across this article about how life is like a game. And um, this, this one guy by the name of Tor Bear, which is a stupid name. It sounds like it's supposed to be something else. <laughs> like I keep thinking Tony Blair every time I see it. No, no it's not him. Um, he says that life is not like chess, but it's more like Tetris. And I'm just going to say that the way that this guy has written the article is slightly disturbing because he describes himself as first being obsessed with chess um, until he was about 15. And now he plays Tetris every day. Every day. So the story is he he liked to play chess, but then he got a cell phone and then he really got hooked on the one game on his cell phone is Tetris. Yeah. So he, he always plays Tetris now. And so he kind of sees it as like, I don't know, a metaphor for life and like how we might think that we might an- analogize uh, yeah <laughs> uh, uh, metaphorically speaking it, wait what are you trying to say <laughs> an- an- <laughs> analogy. not analyze an- analogy, oh okay no, okay but verbatize analogy i think you just made up two words there <laughs> just, okay so okay so he's trying to compare it Mm-hmm. To, no, I know what you're saying. There yeah. is a word for it, but I don't know what it is. It's so, not analogize. I'm pretty sure it's not that. Yeah. Um, but basically, he was at first. He was saying he saw life like chess, where you could plan out all your moves, and as long as you knew like the right formula for something, you would either ultimate like um, completely win or completely lose. And then he realized that it was more like Tetris mm-hmm. because instead of having like um, uh, like a set strategy. Um, for one game, you approach it differently. Like you have, but that doesn't make sense. It doesn't you, make sense because you don't have a new strategy for Tetris every time you play. You have the same freaking strategy. Like, yeah, don't stack the blocks in a stupid way. Right. His whole <laughs> his whole thing was when you play chess, you have the whole game planned out, and if one um, aspect of your plan is wrong, then you're fucked basically. And and he was saying this guy must really suck at chess because that's not how anyone <laughs> plays chess. Like, but yeah, he was <laughs> three moves in, and like the person does something you don't expect him to. So then you have to change your plan. Yeah. Which to me reflects how life really is yeah within like something like within like the first like five moves of chess there's like 80 bajillion different possibilities yeah and there's like maybe like 10 different possibilities in tetris i don't know his whole thing was in tetris you can't predict what's gonna happen all you know is the next piece that you're gonna get yeah that's pretty predictive (laughs) well and he was so excited because he was oh you know you you can win chess um, and then the game's over. But Tetris, you could play like infinitely. And yeah, I'm it keeps on going. I'm pretty sure you couldn't. Like you just. I get I, his point there. No. Like, you, like chess is basically capture the flag. Once you capture the flag, it's over. But like, yeah, but the whole the point Tetris is the journey. Yeah, but chess. Tetris just keeps on going. It never ends. Yeah, and life ends. Well, eventually. So yeah. I think we got him there. But at the one point I did like that he said was that Tetris, like the the game remains the same. It just speeds up. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how he analogized it to life. <laughs> it was like, you know, you're doing the same things during your life, but because everything seems to go faster towards the end, you know, you have this like push to get more done and you 
start to lose track of the important things like not playing Tetris every day and maybe like going out and living your life, for instance? Um, another thing he mentioned is that uh, in life, uh, you're your only opponent. Like in chess, you have an opponent. Yeah. But in Tetris, you don't have an opponent. But you can play two-player Tetris, and it's way more fun than one-player Tetris. You can, yeah. yeah. Right. And mm, in life, you do have opponents. You do have enemies. You are competing yeah. against other people. And you could die. And that motherfucking neighbor, Dan. Fuck that guy. (laughs) And in life, you could like give up. You could be like, you know what? I'm tired of playing this game. It's taking forever. I've had it. Throw the board. (laughs) Yeah. Or throw your Game Boy or throw your soul away. You know, you have to throw your soul away. (laughs) Um, and then he also makes this point: in life, no one tells you when you've won. Uh, yeah, they do. Yeah, <laughs> they say, hey, like, congratulations, you just won. Yeah. <laughs> at so-and-so. Or, or like if you have a really good eulogy, then you win. <laughs> you know, it's I'm all trying good. to win at life. Mm-hmm. The game of life. Why don't you just compare it to life, like the board yeah. game life? That would be a better comparison. So anyways, sorry, Tor Bear, but we don't completely agree with you. You make some good points, and it's a cool analogy, but... Yeah, I think you lost that game, yeah. Tor. Yeah. What do you prefer, Tetris or chess? That's a hard choice because I really, I actually like Tetris. I like yeah. the uniformity of it and the way everything fits in neat little, you know. If it's going slow. Sections. Well, yeah, I mean, eventually it's challenging. But And I've played chess and I've tried to like it, but I, I dislike how long it takes and I don't know, like well, how much strategy chess. is involved. No, it's too much strategy. It pisses me off. I, I like chess because you, you have to, it, it makes you think two or three or four steps ahead if you mm-hmm. can. And you, you're like weighing all the different possibilities. Like if I do this, then he or she is probably going to do something like this. Or you try and theorize like what are they going to do and how yeah. can I foil what they're going to do, but also do what I want to do. And I don't know. It's a, fun, it's a fun thinking game. It is. But at a certain point, I don't know. That's all it you is. You just want to stack blocks you at the end of the day. You just want to stack blocks. It's true. And you then can think wipe ahead. out the lines and stack more blocks. That's the thing. You never wipe out any... Well, actually, in chess, I guess you yeah. do. You actually you capture. Of, yeah. You don't... That's what's... But then what? Do. You don't get to do anything with them. You just hold <laughs> you them can, prisoner. You torture them. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. What are you going to do with like that life. bishop? <laughs> torture the bishops in life. So, uh, on a completely random note... Do you guys have fast internet here? It's okay. Did you know, like, at in, times. Did you know, like in China, they have like super duper fast internet. Are you sure this isn't just like a Korea thing where they say they have fast internet and they? Yeah, it might be a conspiracy yeah. theory kind of thing, but um, no, like in China, apparently they get like a gigabyte per second for like um, twenty bucks a month. That's pretty crazy considering how populated the country is. Yeah. Like you'd think that they wouldn't be able to provide that. Well, I don't think all of them have okay. the speed, but like, yeah. you know, for the yeah. people in the Top urban settings people. and stuff. But anyways, um, one of the hard things uh, about speeding up the internet is we're running out of bandwidth. So we can only cram so much information into this spectrum of the uh, electro- uh, electromagnetic spectrum of bandwidth. So um, we're running out of space basically to fill to put all that information in. And so Google has thought of using a different uh, bandwidth, um, the millimeter uh, millimeter wavelengths, which um, are a little bit shorter than the other ones. So they dissipate 
really uh, fast. They don't but go then as they far. Like hold way more information, right? They, well, not that they hold more information. It's just empty. No one's using that. Yeah. That end of the spectrum. That that lane basically. Okay. That lane is open, but that lane doesn't go very far. <laughs> so yeah, you can't send. Yeah. So the wireless <laughs> signal, like it won't go very far. So that's why we don't use it. But Google has the idea of flying um, solar powered drones mm-hmm. over us, and then. So that way, they we shoot the wireless signal straight up yeah. to the drones that might be just a few miles up, and then they'd be able to communicate uh, the the wireless signals back and forth. But then the signal, like the signal, won't go very far, right? Apparently, far enough to reach the drones. Okay, but it won't go like you know, like thirty five miles down to the next cell tower or a hundred yeah. miles to the next cell tower. Yeah, but if the drones are up there, then it doesn't matter. Like they can. What, what do you mean? Like they, you don't have to rely on a cell tower if you have the drone. Right, right. It'd be, a, it'd be, yeah, it'd be a totally like different a signal, kind of like five G yeah. thing, and it'd be like, how fast do they say it would be? Like, ten times faster than mm-hmm. the fastest internet speed we've got now. So you could like download like eight movies in like in a second, or yeah. something like that. I don't know, forty times faster, or forty, For- time, 40 times more data than the world's fastest wireless services. So yeah. gigabytes of data every second. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you could be downloading like. All the albums in the world. Oh my god! In like a day. Yes. You know you want to go checked. Um, but the problem with this is that it's really um, costly <laughs> to be beaming all the stuff all the time and to be flying these drones and yeah. Then we'd just be would be like hundreds, if not thousands, of drones just swarming up in the skies all the time. I can see like what would happen is you know this like special internet will be reserved for like certain people. The like military. The, yeah. The military. Pol- politicians or, areas. or Wall Street. Donald Trump. Uh, yeah. <laughs> His <laughs> head is already up in there? the clouds. Oh my God. Yeah. He has a drone. But um, it's an interesting way of making the internet work. Yeah. And the more that they do that, the easier it'll be for them to use that or like find other ways of doing it. Maybe they use like weather balloons or something. Yeah, weather balloons. That'd be but good. then you have all these airplanes and helicopters trying to fly through the air and they just like... Maybe the airplanes can somehow transmit the signal. We can kill two birds with one stone. Or just kill all the birds. Yeah. With the Wi-Fi. Can... <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to tweet about. Oh my God, no. <laughs> Speaking of high speeds, do you know what the speed limit is of the universe? Speed of light. Yeah, how fast is that? Well, I already read it. How fast is that, Pretty fast. I think there's a five in there somewhere. (laughs) Actually, no, there's not. (laughs) Okay, wait, there's an eight in there somewhere. There is an eight in there. Okay, and possibly zeros. Okay, just just guess. How many miles per hour? I can't guess. You're going to look at me like you did when I didn't know the order of the planet. How fast do you think the speed of light goes? Just guess. Hello. That is correct. I think we're... What? I said <laughs> really unit. fast. Hella is actually a unit Dude, of measurement, though. No. Yes. There you go. It's, it's like you're analogous. Look, look up Hella. It's a, it's a distance. But anyways. Okay. Hold on. I'll do that. Okay. All right. So uh, light travels at 186,282 miles per second. Oh, about 186,000 miles yeah. in a second. It is. What's, it is what, not yeah. Hella is a unit a of unit? measurement. Yes, Along the lines of using the kilo prefix... Four kilometers or Geiger for gigabyte. Oh. 
Sendak is petitioning the International System of Units, SI, to use the term hella to describe really, really big <laughs> measurements, <Yes. laughs> such as the Fucking size of the universe. Up. The diameter of the universe is 1.4 hellameters. <laughs> that is ridiculous. That's awesome. That's and that came from yeah, NorCal. I guess it, yeah, that well, came from that NorCal. That came from us. I've I'm never been surprised. so not proud. <laughs> I've been not proud before. Yeah. Have you guys seen the South Park episode where Cartman keeps on saying the word hella? Yeah. yeah. You guys are hella lame. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about, Cartman? <laughs> Stop saying that word. We got it. So anyways, uh, light is hella fast. Yeah. I and like hella miles per hour. <laughs> hella miles per hour. And apparently the rule is nothing can travel faster than the speed of light. Nothing with mass. Nothing with mass. Yeah. In fact, if you're trying to accelerate something to the speed of light, it would take an infinite amount of energy and it would become infinitely massive. So can you use infinite and hella interchangeably or not? Hella infinitely. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, there's infinite <laughs> and there's hella infinite. <laughs> there are different kinds of infinities. That's true. Like infinity plus Are there one. hella different kinds? No. Just, no. just a handful. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get ridiculous. Infinity <laughs> plus Hella. Oh my um, god, no. But there there is some circumstances actually where sorta kinda things can go faster than light. So So a sorta kinda like half a Hella. It's half Hella. The opposite of Hella, I think, basically. <laughs> so um if you think of like uh, a sonic boom, that's what happens okay. when something travels faster than the speed of sound. And basically Compression waves build up and it creates that a boom. noise. Yeah. yeah. So uh, in uh, nuclear reactors underwater, apparently light doesn't travel as fast through water. Like the water slows it down. Mm-hmm. But the electrons being released from that reaction do travel pretty fast. They they don't get as slowed down by the water. So the electrons are going faster than what the light is traveling through water. Okay. The light doesn't travel 186,000 miles per second underwater. Yeah. It travels like 75% that speed. But the electrons are still traveling at, at near, near speed, speed of light. light. Okay. So they uh, basically create a, uh, a luminal, uh, boom, yeah. uh, a light boom. Yeah. And it creates like a blue or like even an a, a ultraviolet glow. And you could see it in nuclear reactors. So basically, like if it wasn't underwater, then you wouldn't see that luminal. Nope. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. But uh, since the water slows down it the light, them. it creates a light boom. That's cool. Which is very cool. Yeah. Now I want to look at a nuke reactor. Uh, yeah. Maybe with goggles. Probably with goggles. Probably. Hella goggles. Um, what's another way? Um, oh, the wormholes. We're, we're getting to the wormholes. Okay. Well, I always thought I would like jump later. ahead, you know, no, to no, the... No, 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 no. <laughs> I see what you did there, though. <laughs> um... Uh, another one is uh, when the universe, like em- empty space, has no mass, mm-hmm. so it can travel faster than the speed of light. Yeah, if it was going anywhere. And it is. Okay. Empty space is actually expanding. Did. Yeah. And like, so when the Big Bang started, like the universe, within like a trillionth of a trillionth of a second, doubled in its size. Mm-hmm. It went faster than the speed of light. So um, space itself can go <laughs> faster yeah. than the speed of light, which is kind of weird to that think about. That is weird because the light has to travel. In. Okay, yeah. Which is weird because you think like, okay, within like a trillionth of a trillionth of a second, the universe was like 10 feet wide. Mm-hmm. Everything in the universe that ever exists was crammed into something that was a 10-foot sphere. That's crazy. And a trillionth of a second later, it was like 50 feet wide. Yeah. So you could travel across from one end of the universe to the other. But then like, what's beyond the end of the universe. What's outside the edge of space time. 
It's weird. Wormholes. Wormholes. Just <laughs> <laughs> bring you back around. So, but basically, we'll never be able to see the very edge of space because the light, if there's any light that's traveling from there, it wouldn't be able to reach it because it's gone faster than that. Or maybe we've already been there. You're just life. talking, you're just pulling shit out of your ass now. Exactly. <laughs> it's another kind of science. Uh, <laughs> okay, but wormholes are like the idea that uh, you can basically bend space. So, if the classic analogy if you have two pieces, if you have a piece of paper and like two dots at the end of the piece of paper, it take you know say a light year to get from one dot to the next dot, but if you bend the paper in mm-hmm. half, they and can bring meet. them together. Yeah. yeah. Um, I am very skeptical of something like that. Like I think if there, if there are wormholes, it wouldn't be such a big like loop. Like oh, I can get you know ten billion light years across. Yeah. In just a year or something like that. I'm, I'm very skeptical, but scientists say that it might be possible. They haven't ruled it out as being impossible, but... Well, you can't really do that anyway. Like, how can you right. say it's impossible right now? So, it's still a possibility, but There's I think like it's highly... possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's not hella possible. <laughs> I'm telling you that much right now. Um, and then there's one other one, too. What was the other one? Oh, oh quantum entanglement. Yeah. This, is, this is the one that I like. The vibrating in the, unison thing the electrons yeah. do, yeah. The spooky action like the idea of it. Yeah, yeah. As Einstein put it. That's do you cool. want to explain it? No. Okay. <laughs> okay, so... Like this is your realm right here. Yeah. Okay, so if you have two electrons that are, like, entangled, they're, like, part... They have a relationship together. They say they have the same spin, and they blast off in opposite directions, mm-hmm. and they travel for two light years in the opposite direction. When you interact with one electron and you change its spin or you observe it or something... That information and that um, action is immediately transferred over to the other electron. So its spin would change if the first right, one right. was. Yeah. So, um, which is weird because it should take four light for yeah. at least four years for that thing to happen. But for some reason, um, it's like they're connected. They're, yeah, they're connected like across the universe, and instantaneously, one will affect the other. Yeah, they're not just communicating; they're like linked. Exactly. Oh, I so they that call was it cool. entanglement. And that's how they try and make uh, teleportation happen is they purposely ent- yeah. entangle um, particles. And they've done it with a small mass of particles, like on like 100 or... Th- we've talked about it before. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about it a lot. And then so that if they can, they can basically instantaneously transport that information to entangled particles that are X amount of feet or distance away. But uh, that still works. So technically, there are some things that kind of sort of go faster than the speed of yeah. light. I think the the luminal one is the best example because yeah. we've seen that. Yeah, like that. We know that exists for sure. But well, it's sonic not boom too. But yeah. right. But it's also not going faster than one hundred eighty-six thousand two hundred eighty-two miles per second. Yeah. I guess. So it's not breaking that speed limit, but it is traveling faster than light through that. It's getting medium. close. It's getting close. Oh, whoops. Did you, no, you just minimized it. It's okay. Okay, here. Yeah. Pull it back up. So, but if you could if you could travel anywhere instantaneously, where would you go? I'm already there. Damn. And I came back again. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, anywhere. That's kind of a hard thing to choose because my first thought is like, I'd like to go to this country I've never been to. But then I'm thinking, wait, why would I stay on Earth? You know. But then what are the rules if I travel somewhere that I couldn't really survive? Can I do that? 
Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Okay. All right. It's theoretics. Okay. okay, okay. I would travel back in time to meet myself and then forward in time to meet myself and then go. What? <laughs> I can't think of a place that I would go. I don't know. Other than just places I could already go now. I'd go to Antarctica. Okay. I think that'd be cool. I'd go to Paris. No. Spain. Why? I don't know. I always heard that Paris is really dirty and disappointing. It's not like the tourist <laughs> view, you know. Like it's just, it's, you know, Spain's everyone thinks clean. it's all romantic and it's really just like another big city, you know. Yeah, I don't get why it's romantic. I don't know. Uh, the Eiffel Whatever. Tower, lights. I don't know. We got towers here. We got lights here. <laughs> not anymore. We have towers. <laughs> <laughs> too soon. <laughs> it's never too soon for puns. Uh, Speaking of never forget. <laughs> <laughs> So our, our brain can actually remember more than we think it can. It has the ability to remember more yes. than we think it can. And we were talking about this and trying to figure out what was so exciting about this article, and we finally figured it out. So apparently, with our new understanding, we can hold up to a petabyte of information, which is, I don't know how many bajillion gigabytes, but it's hella basically... Hella It's hellabytes. Yeah. Hellabytes. It's the size of basically the whole internet. Our okay, brain got it. could hold the information the entire internet. Do you think that it could only do that, or is there still room? That's about it. Yeah. Okay. And it's running like on Internet Explorer too, so that's <laughs> that's why it might not seem like <laughs> I we're see. that smart, but you know, mm-hmm. it's like we're still loading. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's kind of cool we'll though. Refresh here. Mm-hmm. So we basically, sleep for a while and. Um, Basically, there's just a discovery about how um, our synapses, where how our neurons connect to other neurons, how the size uh, differences was different from what we thought, and so yeah. um, Because like at first we thought there were just a couple sizes, mm -hmm. then we realized like because the difference in size is so small, we didn't notice it at first. But there's actually like 26 different sizes of a synapse, 26 different options. Synapse. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> synapse. I think it's synopsis. I don't think it's synopsis. I think it's a synapse. Synapse. Like synopsis. not a synopsis. Synapsis. If I was gonna like analyze this, <laughs> 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 I think it's a synapse. A synapse. Yeah. Synopsis. Whatever. Whatever it is. Synopsis. It's there. Don't add other vowels into the <laughs> twenty-six different types. And so, um, basically, we have more options than we thought for memory storage. Like storing the whole internet. Yeah, and what's exciting mind. is that uh, depending on how often those uh, synapses fire, is will will either increase the 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 size of the synapse or it will uh, shrink yeah. if you don't fire it enough. So, and this is in the hippocampus of our brain. Um, so our our hippocampi vary between person. Do you mean hippocampi? hippocomputer eye oh my god um yeah so you can make your you can basically flex your muscle your brain muscle you can make it really strong and smart yeah increase your memory if you fire those neurons over and over and over again and the sad thing is it's so easy not to do that i think like it's so easy to get lazy with your brain and just you know it feels so good yeah well yeah you know and just like get into bad habits of just doing the same thing every day and not pushing yourself to think about things or remember things or use your brain beyond like i have to get up go to work drive come home so what do you do to keep your synapses growing talk about all the different ways to pronounce synapse 
Yeah. Yeah. It but sounds like we do that kind of shit a lot. Though. I know. So maybe <laughs> I should do something. Else. No, I don't know. Like, I mean, honestly, like reading mm-hmm. about stuff like this and it's not um, um, easy for me to understand right away, but you can feel it when your brain is struggling to understand something and relate it to something that you already know and make mm-hmm. sense of it. And you can also feel it when it's not having to do that. Um, you know, like I read a lot. Um, do you read things. about like different kinds of things or do you always yeah. read like, th- yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't always read the same thing. I prefer fantasy if I'm going to read fiction, but I always try to read nonfiction in there too. And then sometimes I'll just pick something at random. Um, and it'll be like an author that I never would have chosen in a topic that I hate, but I'll make myself read it, you know, but it's all reading though. Yeah. In that category. So what else, yeah. you, what else do you do besides if reading? If you're talking about yoga, I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell, I tell, I sometimes I'll bring it up in yoga class. Like, your your brain can shrink or grow, and like it's important to not just keep care of of your body, but to take care of your brain. And like, you have to do new things. Yeah. Like, if you don't, you're just limiting yourself and keeping yourself living inside a little box, and your brain's gonna degenerate faster. So it's really sad. It is, but it's true. Yeah. I tried uh, like a break dancing move the other day. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, what does it, it have hard. a name or what is it? I I think it's a flare out. I'm not sure. The one where you swing your legs around. Aren't they all like that? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I tried. I and I totally sucked at it. Oh yeah. Did you break your heel again? I did not break okay. my heel again. I guess I would have known. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's good. No, I'll try to do new things. I don't think I do new things as much as I should, but. I try. I'm a little anxious about trying new things. Why? Because you think you'll suck at it? Yeah, actually. <laughs> and then it's sort of like you you think to yourself, well, why do I care? Of course, it's I'm not mm-hmm. going to be great at it if it's my first time. But you have that anxious, you know, or some people do mm-hmm. that anxious thought where you're like, oh, no, it's new. So many things could happen. Mm-hmm. The possibility of things like maybe happening is frightening enough, I think. Mm-hmm. But because I'm so anxious, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty smart. Oh, yeah. Says who? Says the study right here. Science links Didn't anxiety. see that segue coming, did you, Mike? Oh, I wasn't paying attention. I saw it coming. <laughs> I was anxiously awaiting its arrival. I could tell. Yeah. All right. So anyways, science links anxiety to high IQs and sentinel intelligence. And what the hell is sentinel intelligence? Being able to empathize with people's emotions and notice them around you. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. No. Well, <laughs> I'm smarter than you. Sentinel sounds like, like a drone or something like sentient beings like like emotional okay, like I'm, senses you know okay yeah that makes more sense it, <laughs> i was picturing like the sentinels from the matrix maybe i don't think that's what they meant <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> those guys weren't that smart they did the same thing kind of over and over again yeah exactly yeah um anyways but we're finding more information about this kind of thing i think a lot where they're making all of these links um to people being like hyper aware of things and being anxious about things and being smarter and being um, like more in tune with the people around them, but also like thinking about things more deeply. And the article makes a really interesting example, I think, where they say an anxious mind is a searching mind. So if you are that, um, I don't know, the best term I can think of is like hyper aware of things. Like you're always Mm -hmm. like looking at the environment and trying to figure out like what's going to happen that could go wrong or what did I forget to do today? Or did that comment I made like make somebody hate me forever? Like that sort of thing. You're always looking at that. It's like this like, I do hate you forever. Just in case you're wondering. Yeah. Yeah. But I've always been that way. I remember like if you look at baby pictures of me, I often have this look on my face where I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, some people are just more anxious. That's also the look you have on your face when you just crapped your pants, though, too. Like Maybe, oh. yeah, <laughs> but I was anxious about it. The first time I did it, I was terrified. I was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? But then I figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say that you're anxious in general? Uh, I think so, but I think I've I've changed and dealt with it. I've got more of just like, eh, fuck it attitude that's helping get over it. Yeah. So now you're like a lazy bastard, basically. <laughs> more or less. <laughs> no, I don't think. I don't think. No, I'm not a lazy is. bastard, but I mean, yeah. like, I consider myself like hyper aware, and they, yeah, I mean, they they talked about like people be, uh, being more like empathic and being able to empathize with people, and I feel like I'm pretty empathic, but um, I feel like I I deal with my anxieties um, a lot better nowadays than I did, yeah, you know, say ten years ago or something. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we're old. You mm-hmm. say like 10 years ago and it still doesn't seem like that long ago because you know that there's another 10 years before that. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah, I mean, like I remember, yeah, being a really anxious, nervous uh, kid and teenager. Yeah, I'm still like that. But I'm, only still, uh, I'm still a teenager. An anxious teenager. No, <laughs> yeah. It depends. I think people deal with it in different ways, but usually I can just like shut it off if I'm in a routine, which is the whole reason for not trying new things, you know, because ah. then like all the anxiety mm. is like, ah, you know. But maybe I'll be smarter if I try new things because of Probably. that. Probably. And also the like level of anxiety. But And I think too, like the more you uh, try new things, the more like consciously and just like unconsciously you, you realize that there wasn't anything to be anxious about. Yeah. yeah. You realize that like, oh man, this, this thing coming up, oh man, I'm so worried about all these things. And like, oh, actually it wasn't that bad. Yeah. And then like this new, I think, oh, oh man, this other the new thing. Oh man, I'm so like built up about it. But like, wait, no, this... I've already gone through this shit. Like, it's nothing to be worried about. Mm-hmm. And then you do that a thousand times, and then you're like, oh, something new. I don't care. Like, maybe something bad's going to happen, yeah. but it probably won't. No, it's true. And then if it does, you have strategies for dealing with it. Because if you don't try new things, then you don't really get good at problem solving. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing that makes it less scary when you're like, well, I could try really hard to make it perfect in the beginning, or I could just be like, I guess I'll figure it out if something happens. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it's sort of like a, like a battle of the emotions. Mm-hmm. War of something. So now you're gonna go to a different one. And <laughs> <we're gonna see>. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Still <laughs> didn't work. Still didn't work. So anxious now. Well, it's nothing to like kill anyone over. It's know? too late. It's too late. Yeah. I could go back but not in like, time and fix it, but not, not. But you don't have to go past like ten thousand years to go back. Oh, and fix really? It. Yeah. Okay. Because wars didn't really exist before then. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. <laughs> well, but no, that is interesting because we always think of war as being like this unavoidable human, um, not characteristic, but like habit, I guess. Or like an intrinsic thing that like humans are just intrinsically violent and war has just always been a part of our nature and history. Mm-hmm. But not really so. At least, I mean, we don't know for sure, but... Um, there's a lot of evidence suggesting that um, war didn't really crop up till we started planting crops. Oh, shit. When I heard that, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. So basically, when we were still nomads, it didn't really matter and nobody needed to go to war. But once we, like, settled and started agriculture and cities, Mm -hmm. then it became a thing. Yep. That makes sense because if you stake out one area of land and you're like, okay, I own this. Mm-hmm. And I need to protect it now because this is the only thing I have. Yeah. There's a really good uh, book called uh, Ishmael. 
and, uh, and he talks about uh, two types of people or two types of societies. There's the takers and the leavers. And the leavers are like the hunter-gatherers that uh, can just get up and leave and just let things be pretty much. Mm-hmm. And then the, the takers are like the, the agricultural people that build cities. And they, since they have so much food and they have cities, they end up growing bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And they have to take up more resources they and more land. Like, <clears throat> and so eventually their, their city and their land is going to brush up against someone else's space. And it's like... It's either join us or we kill you. Like yeah. there's, there's, for whatever reason, like we can't just let the the leavers be themselves and let them do their things. Like it's either you uh, adjust and assimilate to our ways or we'll just kill you. And it is kind of crazy because why wouldn't a lever just, you know, go into another city and be like, hey, I want this stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take it and leave. Like mm-hmm. that would start a war. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, so... It's interesting. Also, um, I was mentioning this earlier that uh, before the podcast that I had an anthropology class and he explained that uh, we also didn't have monotheism till we had cities. So you had mystic uh, spirituality and you had um, spirituality and religions that would uh, glorify animal human gods like the bear man or like leopard man pig. Man bear pig. (laughs) 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 <laughs> probably not that one but yeah oh man he's been around for eons that makes sense yeah but it wasn't until you have cities and taker societies that you have man gods like jesus gods and <laughs> and the one and only man, man god, god. Right. okay but here's another point mm-hmm. so all right a war is when you have one group of people against another or like many mm-hmm. groups against many groups. But back when it was a society of just like, hey, here's a whole bunch of people who are hunters and gatherers. Mm-hmm. If you have like one hunter gatherer and another hunter gatherer fighting over like, hey, I want this plant. No, I want it. Mm-hmm. There are only two people. So it's not really a war. But if they're fighting and one person kills and overtakes, right. it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I would argue that that, idea of I need this and I will get it Mm -hmm. one way or another that just turned into war because more of us existed in a group yes you know Mm -hmm. I mean people would still kill for things Mm -hmm. but it's also you we find evidence of like uh, weapons being made not to like hunt but weapons to like kill other people weren't around till cities were made okay and yeah, like you're gonna have like skirmishes, and I'm sure there's some fights and yeah. some murders here and there. But like, where it's like organized war, it's like a hundred people or a thousand people going to kill and pillage, you know, a whole nother city. That then, didn't. At least there's a lot of evidence that suggests that didn't happen till cities and the agricultural revolution. Yeah, but in a way, though, it's sort of like it. It, it's not like humans were just, oh, live and let live. And all of a sudden we decided to kill to get what we wanted. I think that, you know, people were okay with killing other people for a long time if they had to. Yeah. But that's my bleak outlook on that one. Um, some people have also uh, said, well, look at chimpanzees. Like they'll fight and like kill mm-hmm. other chimpanzees. But uh, bonobos are actually more closely related to humans than nowadays chimpanzees are. Yeah. And bonobos don't kill one another. They don't start wars. 
Bonobo. Bonobo. <laughs> no war. Um, well, that's encouraging. So that that uh, that argument's kind of moot. And um, there's another study that kind of looked at uh, indigenous um, tribes that are still around, which is amazing that they're still around. Yeah. There's barely yeah. any We left. haven't killed them yet. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, and there's hardly any of them that actually did like murder other people. And when he did, it was just like one guy murdered another guy mm-hmm. or two people killed two other guys. Or like, there's only one uh, tribe in Australia that like had like more murders. And it was, you know, it was kind of more indicative of violent behavior. And the, a lot of the other ones actually didn't have um, any violent crime or, or violence at all. So interesting stuff so maybe if we want to end mass shootings in america we just need to become hunter-gatherers yeah yeah it's kind of sad though because i think once that's been breached you can't really go back i mean now everybody knows that's an option like oh or we can go to war you know like it's a a thing now where it's like this is one of the things you could do if you want something and it's sad like you can't unlearn that i don't think yeah as an option the apocalypse was going to have to level everything out. That's and right. Just totally wipe out everything. If yeah. We're going to have to forget that. Planets have to go to war with each other. Can you remember like any like fairy tales from your childhood? I remember all of them. I don't remember like any. I love fairy tales. What's a fairy your tale? Synapses aren't working right then. <sighs> well, I don't flex those synapses. Yeah, not the fairy tales synapses. Not, not no. the made up ones. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, I don't know what's one I remember. I I remember a lot of them. I really liked. The Twelve Dancing Princesses, which actually what? I don't know oh. if people are familiar with that. I'm not familiar with that. I like it because I have um, this really cool illustrated version of the story that my dad gave me. But it's this fairy tale about twelve sisters um, who, uh, like, I think their father, the king, their princesses. The father, of the king, is afraid that they're gonna, um, I don't know, like get married and run off or something. It's always like that in a fairy tale. So he keeps them all in one bedroom and he locks the door at night and they sleep, you know. But one of them escapes through this secret passageway and then all of them follow her like down these mysterious stairs to this island where they just like go to this big ball and dance all night. A a staircase to an (laughs) island? It's sort of like time travel in a way. (laughs) They took a wormhole. They took a wormhole, right. Um, and they danced and they had fun and then they got back upstairs by the time morning came around. The dad never knew the difference. But then, of course, something happens. So like they like hung over. And- well, no, it wasn't a <laughs> drinking party. Like he did notice oh, eventually on. because their, their dancing shoes, like their slippers were worn out. Their little like, you know, nighttime <laughs> slippers that they took with them. So. They danced holes into their shoes. It, pretty much. Mm. And it sounds ridiculous, you know, when you try to talk about it in regular conversation. But anyway, one of them falls in love with the prince there and like the whole, um, their cover is blown basically. But I remember that one. And there's other ones like Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast and all the classics mm. people know. Hansel and Gretel. I was never exposed to Hansel and Gretel. You weren't? No, I don't remember. But you know the one. story, though. No. The I, breadcrumbs? No, not really. The witch with the gingerbread house? No. Okay. <laughs> the cool thing about fairy tales is there's so many different versions and like once Disney got a hold of everything, it became a lot, you know, happier and lighter. But mm-hmm. if you look back at old, old fairy tales, there's so much disturbing imagery. Like in Cinderella, you know how the Disney version is, her stepsisters, um, like basically that they get punished in that they don't get to marry the prince and that's it. In the old version of the story, when they're trying to... Um, 
prove to the prince that like they can fit into the shoe, for instance. The stepsisters actually cut off part of their heel oh, to get sweet. their foot into the shoe. And then like later, um, the, all the birds that help Cinderella out, like in the Disney movie, mm-hmm. in the old story, they like peck out the eyes of the yes. stepsisters. Like there's all kinds of violence that happens, you know, in the original versions hmm. or what we think are the original versions. I think they could do that like on Broadway, like Cinderella on Broadway. Yeah, like, train some like ravenous birds to just <laughs> eat the shit out of someone's eyes. Cut their Achilles tendon and stuff. The, yeah, it could only be one show and that would be <laughs> it. But, you know, it'd be a great one. Yeah, don't want to miss the opening night. <laughs> Trust me. Um, so anyways, we found this article about how researchers um, are suggesting that uh, fairy tales are a lot older than we might have thought. Um, so some uh, fairy tales like Beauty and the Beast and Rumble Stiltskin were thought to be written down like around the 17th or 18th century, but they might be as, like as old as 2,500 or even 6,000 years old. Yeah. Through oral tradition. Which is crazy, but it's not surprising. I feel like that's sort of how religion is. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, yeah. like fairy tales and you know morals and stuff like that. Like I feel like there's always like a version of some story or another and yeah the same theme like in Rumpelstiltskin the whole point of that story is like this um I don't know mysterious sort of like dwarf guy tricks somebody um and there's always a trickster in fairy tales you and never trust and the dwarfs you can't trust them <laughs> sorry like dwarfs come on or like Beauty and the Beast like hey I'm this beautiful thing and you're this ugly thing and let's figure out how to make it work. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's a theme in lots of places. Yeah. Like, like beauty overcoming <laughs> <laughs> beauty overcoming ugliness can be translated into lots of different meanings. But in the Disney story, he, he turns into a, a handsome prince though, right? Yeah. She converts him. Yeah. Basically. So does that like kind of like negate the whole point? That's what I mean about Disney. I love Disney. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm, but they but. they water down the stories for children. And if you watch it as an adult, you see like all the underlying themes are still there. But yeah, the whole point of the story in the Disney version is like the beast disappears, you know, mm-hmm. and that's not how life works. Like you always have a beast to deal with. You can't just like kiss Sorry. it away, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah. So... But it's just interesting that some of these fairy tales are like 6,000 years old. Yeah. It's a long time. It's a long time for a story to last and like be Mm. reborn in different cultures and different countries and different characters, different names, but the same ideas. To me, it feels like like our generation and like the generation before us, like our fairy tales are like movies. Like Star Wars Mm -hmm. is our fairy tale. Yeah. You know? I don't accept that. Not my fairy tale. I want a shirt that says that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Episode eight, yeah. not my fairy tale. <laughs> but it's true though. Mm-hmm. That's how we tell our stories and yeah. tell the hero story and everything. Movies, BuzzFeed, it's another fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so, so I wonder, like some of these articles you and I are reading, it seems like they could be made up. Like we were looking at the fairy tale thing mm-hmm. going how can they prove that they're this old? Mm-hmm. What if it's just a conspiracy? But who's going to conspire about fairy tales? Don't like, you mean what's their agenda? Conspiracy. Conspiracy. <laughs> Thank you. Their agenda is to get on a podcast like this and fool us into thinking that they're crazy. obviously. Yeah. And there's obviously people out there trying to prove or trying to prove climate change because 
Yeah, they have a lot to gain. Exactly, like a yeah. A bunch of crazy, panicked citizens. Scientists always do that. They always try and just... Vaccines. Vaccines. Oh, yeah. yeah. Lots yeah. of autism to gain that way. I mean, fuck the kids, you yeah. know? Because... And that, that's, that's one of the worst ones, because, like, if I'm a drug company mm-hmm. and I'm trying to just exploit my customers and get as many as a profit as much profit as I can. If I kill a two-year-old baby, I can't make any more money off that two-year-old. Right. <laughs> if I keep them alive for 90 years. Mm-hmm. Or even like 50. Or even 50. They'll pay me a lot more money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you give them cancer, they'll have to pay you more money. Exactly. So there you go. Conspiracies. <laughs> but this whole article is sort of looking at like, what is the likelihood of these conspiracies actually being a thing. Um, and they include vaccines and the, um, whether or not the cure for cancer is being covered up. And what was the other one? Oh, yeah, the moon landing being mm-hmm. faked. So um, Dr. David Robert Grimes, which is an awkward name, David Robert. David would, Bob. I wouldn't have. <laughs> you just call me Dave Bob. It's as bad as uh, David Avocado Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, avocado wolf kind of takes the cake. I mean, yeah, it, don't add another food <laughs> to that. This is a crazy recipe going on there. So he he did this study um, to see whether or not these conspiracies are. Um, I don't I don't want to say plausible, but like well, you said like sustainable, sustainable. Like if you have say a community of scientists, say uh, how many scientists do you assume like climate change fraud? Like you have like over four hundred thousand scientists. Mm-hmm doing research and literature. And if they're all on this big conspiracy, like that's 400,000 people all sharing the same secret. And like after X amount of time, 400,000 people are, one of them's going to crack and be like, oh, actually it's a a hoax. And he included in his calculations, he was saying it could either be someone like a whistleblower or what he used the term like a bungler. Like basically you tell the secret on purpose or you let it slip by accident. You tell your wife, you tell your friend. Yeah. Yeah. Or your kid who gets vaccinated. You don't ever tell your kids. Don't tell (laughs) any dwarfs. Don't tell any kids. Don't tell anyone under four foot eight. Don't go to gingerbread houses. (laughs) But um, yeah, his whole point was it would be hard for that many people to keep the same secret mm-hmm. um, at least for a certain amount of time mm-hmm. and so like he also has these calculations where he says basically if it's a conspiracy of this type and it requires this many I don't want to say secret keepers because that sounds a lot like Harry Potter but that's what they are um, they could only keep the secret for X amount of years and basically he found that like all of these popular um, issues that a lot of people think are conspiracies he said basically they could only keep the secret for around three years that's how long all of them could be kept for and all of those things have been around much longer than that, especially the moon landing. The moon landing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, someone would have spilled the beans or... Dropped the moon rocks. Or... <laughs> Dropped the moon rocks. <laughs> um, yeah, climate change, you know, with this many scientists and everything working on it, it would, would have been... Uh, they would have dropped the ball in like three years, four years. Vaccination, conspiracy, three years. Suppression of cancer, uh, a cure to cancer would be three years. Um, Maybe his his calculations are wrong, though. Maybe that's just what they want us to believe. Yeah, and my whole thing was, what if he, um, what if this is a conspiracy, this study that he did? Because you have to assume it's him and then like maybe a couple other scientists or like lab technicians or like students. Or the Illuminati that are running the world. That's true. Yeah. Good point. 
That's just what they want us to believe. This whole life could be a conspiracy. But um, a good point is he made it at the end of this article is that rationality doesn't make sense. Doesn't even matter to these people that subscribe to conspiracy theory because they don't use rational thinking. <laughs> they don't yeah. use reason or logic to construct. Is, yeah, it's fear. It's emotional. And honestly, I think a lot of people like want to believe this. Like yeah. it, it, when we make it out to be like, oh, there's a bad guy and there's just one bad guy. It really makes it easy. Chess game. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it, it, it makes it really easy to point the finger at the bad guy and point to say, oh, that's the problem. And the world would be such a better place if, you know, just those, those pesky scientists, yeah. you know. And all of these things, well, I don't know about the moon landing, but like the other stuff, like the cure for cancer and the vaccines and everything, like mm -hmm. there, there is an element of fear and climate change, mm -hmm. like global warming. There are all these big issues where, guess what? If this happens to you, you could die cancer, you know, or if you don't get this, you mm -hmm. could die vaccine. Mm -hmm. Or if this happens to the, the world, whole world dies. the whole world dies. Mm -hmm. And so I think the response to, for some people is, well, that must not be Trigger's real. Fear. And yeah. It's, yeah, like bury your head in the sand and, you know, mm -hmm. I would predict that there's a correlation between that kind of person and religiousness, but I could be wrong. Oh, I bet you there's a strong correlation. You know. But I mean, a lot of people... Nowadays, I think a lot of youth want to believe that nature does things right and that man is fucking it up. Mm -hmm. So they're more likely to believe in climate change, but they're also more likely to believe that vaccines are hurting people because yeah. there are chemicals that I don't understand and they're trying to go against, you know... Right. Healthy food. Or the whole like cure for cancer thing. Like, yes, there's a cure for cancer and it's in it's, a peach pit or whatever the latest right, thing is. Right, right. You know? Like that's fun to, to believe. Yeah. And, and that's not to say that a healthy diet does make a huge difference in cancer. But just to blindly believe that, um, or to blindly think that like, well, the scientists, you know, created cancer and they, yeah. they have the cure and they're just trying to make lots yeah. of money. Like, no. it can make sense in your own mind, but it, it's highly, highly, highly unlikely. And it's really sad because cancer, like the cancer is in some ways a natural thing that happens to cells. And in other ways it's caused by like man-made things. Right. Like, but, like you know, refined sugar yeah. and unhealthy habits. And God only knows but how many other things. cells just get old, <laughs> you know, and then it's just, that's it. And so. honestly, it's, a lot of scientific research that is helping us. It's all conspiracy. <laughs> it's <Research>. helping us. <laughs> research technology. <laughs> when has technology ever done anything for me? But no, it's, it's a lot of these technical innovations that are actually leading us to cures for cancers. You know. Yeah. Maybe not like ironic. you can prevent certain stuff by eating really healthy, living a healthy lifestyle, but tons of healthy people get cancer yeah. and die at like age 28. And it's sad, but that's, you know, that's right. why people are trying so hard to figure it out. Yeah, but uh, I don't like to subscribe to a lot of those fucking ridiculous conspiracy theories. No, so much to keep track of. Yeah, like eight different things. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of eight different things, yeah. Um, octopi mm -hmm. were once believed to be asocial animals, okay. but uh, some researchers looking at some footage of octopi now believe that they're actually very, very social creatures. I just imagine when you say footage of octopi, like this really slow moving thing in the ocean and it must be so boring to watch footage mm -hmm. of octopi unless they change colors. Do they change colors? They change colors. Okay, now I'm sold. Got yeah. it. So um, they used to think that if 
two octopi met, they'd either eat each other or fuck each other. Two options. Take a pick. <laughs> kind of like the fight or flight response. Uh, yeah. But which There's one is like, flight? I guess eating because you're but, going somewhere else. I guess. <laughs> you're being eaten. <laughs> and fighting's like sex? I'd, I Well, is flight like sex? Think about it. Sometimes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards. <laughs> Oh, no, look at the time. I got the oh dentist appointment tonight. Um. <laughs> All right. So, okay. But anyway, they're not asocial. They they interact with each other and mm-hmm. they, they change color to communicate. So if there were two octopuses, let's octopi, say... Octopi, please. Two octopi. Okay. All right. Wait, wait, hold on. Didn't we talk about this? Is it, a, it's a, is it a Greek word, octopus? So actually it is octopuses. I don't know. I Cacti talked- is I. Yeah, but actually, Cactuses. I don't think octopi is actually the correct term, actually. Okay. But I'm still going to use it because I don't give a fuck. See, oh, all right. I'm going to use octopuses because you're I anxious. do give a fuck. Because you're anxious. Yes. And maybe more intelligent. Yeah. So I'm going <laughs> to add more letters just in case. <laughs> so two octopuses, sounds at the beginning of a joke, two octopuses approach each other in the middle of the ocean and they want to figure out if they can mate. So the male will um, change his color so that he's like black and white striped. And then the other octopus, if it's a male, will mimic that pattern. And if mm-hmm. it's not, it won't. And so then the octopus knows it's okay to mate. And, you know, hopefully little <laughs> octopuses will result. <laughs> so they don't even know if it's a male or female until uh, they change color? Apparently not. Well, think about that, like in the dating world. That'd be crazy. Like, hey, what's up? Oh, shit. Black and white. Oh, <laughs> fuck. God damn it. All right, I'm out of here. <laughs> but... Anyway, so they do that, and then they were talking about how um, if there's an aggressive octopus approaching another one, mm-hmm. it'll sort of like raise up, um, I, don't know, I guess, vertically, mm-hmm. and it will darken its color, just mm-hmm. like all the way dark. And the other octopus, if it's going to, um, I don't know, concede defeat or at least like not attack back, it'll turn pale and kind of like pull away and stretch itself out, almost like it's Cower. being ready to... Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like animals do that we see on land. Um, but, you know, if both of them are dark, I guess, then a fight's going to happen. And mm-hmm. Maybe a flight afterwards. I don't know. Still, So they still just fight and fuck, though. <laughs> Sorry, like, yeah, they never just like hang out in a garden involved. or anything. It's like the club. You know, like there's lots of flashy <laughs> colors and one of two things could happen and then it's over. I fucking hate going to clubs. Yeah, I've never been to one, but... You've never been to a club? Well, maybe I have. Mike and I went to one and we didn't like it. What club did you guys go to? Do you remember? Um, I don't know, but they had like... What did they have, like 80s night or something at some point? Or I don't know. Hmm. Right? We went somewhere and people wanted to dance and we were like, we don't want to dance and we left. <laughs> no. What? Well, Do you know what I'm talking townhouse. about? Townhouse. It's not townhouse anymore, though. I thought it was... Well, starlight now. It yeah, it's Starlight like now. But they had like a 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s dance night. We danced for like two hours. What are you talking about? We didn't bounce. Know, <laughs> but we didn't really dance. Who'd you like, dance with? Dance. Yeah. <laughs> Another Apparently octopus. somebody who looked like my wife, but wasn't. <laughs> I don't remember like dancing, though. Like I stood up with you and I was like, I hope no one's watching me. No, I... Like, just Daria dancing. Pretty much like... <laughs> no, you danced just... <laughs> Like I did, like we tried to dance how everyone else was. Everyone was drunk and just kind of moving to the music. It wasn't yeah. coordinated. In Maybe any shape I or just form. remember it because I was not like comfortable there. I was like ah, shrinking octopus. But you go out to like other shows though, like yeah, but I don't shows. have to dance. No, then we just bob your head. No, not even that. Just I just like watch the band, and that's just how I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm quiet. But um, anyway. Yeah, it's interesting to know that these octopuses 
communicate with each other on purpose. Like they mm-hmm. care socially about other octopuses, at least enough to either fight with them or mate with them. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. And speaking of other eight-legged creatures oh, and nice. how they socialize, there's um, some spiders in Peru, in the Peruvian rainforest, that live like in a commune. They uh, make huge, huge spider webs all together, and it's just like a huge blanket clusterfuck of web. It looks really disturbing. The picture is a little freaky. And up to like 50,000 of these spiders will will work together to capture insects and they'll share bugs and eat them together. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting. Communist spiders. Yeah. And when Reno and I read this article before we watched the video, I don't know about you, but I assumed the spiders were bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, but they just look like regular sized spiders, I guess, because I like thought American, like North American yeah. sized spiders, yeah, exa- yeah, not right. like not jungle, like size your hand, jungle spiders. Yeah. And I also thought because the webs look so massive, I thought that maybe it would be, I don't know, like, yeah, at least the size of your hand, <laughs> at least, <laughs> but they're just like these little tiny, you know, like the size of your thumb, sized. yeah, half your thumb, yeah, quarter of your thumb, but they're That's bright how big red. your thumbs are. <laughs> Um, and they're largely led by the female, uh, no, not led, but there's, there's more females than males. Mm-hmm. Males make about five to 22% of the population. Um, but unlike ant colonies or beehives, uh, these spiders apparently live like an egalitarian life. Like they all, like they'll each do different, um, roles or activities. Like it's mm-hmm. not like there's the fighters and the queen. Yeah. They're all, yeah. they can all do everything. Well, that's cool. They and must be really smart. Well, there's not, they actually lack a lot of genetic diversity, but uh, the person in this article here said that they exhibit exquisite diversity in terms of their personalities. Their personalities? Yeah, I don't like, know how long way? this guy is watching these spiders. Like a creeper. Um, like, how would you be able to tell the difference? Like, oh, there's Eddie, the spider Eddie. Oh, man, he's beating up on Dan again, man. I don't, I don't know. Like, all they're going to do is spin a web and then catch bugs and eat them, right? There's probably a lot more to life than just spinning webs. And, uh, yeah, okay. my life. But, like, <laughs> does this spider have a personality? Well, maybe they that. go out at night. Maybe, maybe they, they, maybe they, go they hang out and do stuff and... Talk to the researcher? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. Quite possibly. Okay. But uh, it's interesting because spiders in America don't do that. They don't have personalities? <laughs> They have personalities, oh. but they don't socialize <laughs> with each other. Like, yeah. you never see like a group of like five or ten or fifty thousand spiders all hanging out together. I wonder if it's because this area isn't as dangerous as like the Peruvian rainforest, for instance. Maybe they have to like come together in a pack mm. to survive. But then, um, why would the other animals not do that? Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, sometimes animals just like compete with each other, and they just, you know, they don't really work in groups. Right. Like monkeys, for instance. This is one of my favorite articles mm-hmm. that we found. So, um, what are they? The howler monkey, right? Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I didn't know that they could sound like barking dogs. Yes. When we watched that video, I assumed that all of them made those loud, high pitched monkey sounds that you hear in movies. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not even going to do it on the microphone because I feel like it's too obnoxious. But this monkey. Did you, do you want to play just a little bit of it? Yeah, tell, tell them what's up with the monkeys. Okay. All right, so these howler monkeys, um, but they make a lot of noise, basically, and researchers have found that the louder their howl is and, like, what the more high-pitched it is, 
the smaller their testicles are. No. The bigger they are? No, no. The smaller the testicles, the louder and the lower pitch. Oh, the lower pitched. Yeah. Okay. If it's a high pitch and it's not as loud, they've got big balls. Okay. Got it. So mm-hmm. big balls, high pitched, but not mm-hmm. as loud. Hi, I've got big balls. Hi, I've got small balls. That's perfectly yeah, summed that's up. Exactly Thank you. That's exactly what they sound like. Yeah. Although they it's don't weird. sound like that in this video here. No, not at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's interesting, like the the small bald monkeys that can bark basically really, mm-hmm. really loud and low, they live with like a bunch of females and they copulate with all the females all the time they want. Well, in that group. But they're the only ones in the group. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's like a bunch of like big bald monkeys... <laughs> that have a lot more sperm mm-hmm. and they live with a bunch of other males and they have to like compete to copulate with the other females. But it's because their cries are different. Yeah. Because they have big balls and they can impregnate a lot easier. Whereas the smaller testicled monkeys they have to like hold their females in reserve. <laughs> like, oh no, I can't let her go. So, uh, that's an interesting way of how it works out. Balls versus calls is how they, that's, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but uh, let's see here. Where's the volume on this? Why is it always turning? Oh, on? you muted it. Click the, there. You go. It's just so strange. I assumed that they would do, you know, like their yips and hollering kind of noises. Well, if they've got big balls, yeah, these are small bald monkeys. Yeah, but though. the whole point is like, there's only one video on here. They're not representing all of the balls. <laughs> All the balls are not represented in that <laughs> video, that's for sure. Drop the ball on that one. <laughs> At least two. <laughs> Speaking of two balls being dropped, yep. mm-hmm. um, some scientists now think that um, Earth was made up of two planets that fused together. Wait, what? Yes. Oh, my God. I always thought we were one planet, and then the moon was, you know, <laughs> So all those there. bumper stickers saying we are one? Yeah. No, we're two. I guess not. We're two. That has a nice ring to it, though. We're two. Like, it's, you know. Like, T-O-O? Like, we are two. It could mean so many things. Mm-hmm. We are two, like, do something? Yeah, we are two. Or we are the number or two. we are two. It's got so many places. Yeah, only two places, really. Well, three. Yeah. 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 yeah that's ironic. <laughs> So anyways, um, they've always thought like something smashed into the earth and just kind of like skipped off or just kind of sideswiped it and then like a chunk of that turned into the moon. Mm-hmm. But now they're thinking, no, something totally is smashed and like melded and fused, fused together, yeah. in, into the earth. Um, but the moon still happened. But the, the moon, way. yeah, the moon still happened, yeah. Okay. Um, and it has to do with... Um, uh, oxygen isotopes, apparently. Okay, and that, so that's like they analyzed basically parts mm-hmm. of the planet to see whether or not there was, like, we're one planet or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, they thought if this planet, what they're calling, they're calling it Thea, Thea. I would say Thea. Thea, T H E I A. Thea sounds nice, though. Thea sounds nice. Yeah, let's go with the nice one. But. I hate it when they put more than three vowels together. I know, like, what it's the fuck is that? So ambiguous. Come on, science. So, anyways, if <clears throat> if Thea had sideswiped Earth and produced the moon, then uh, the moon rocks would have different oxygen isotope ratios. So, ninety nine point nine percent of uh, all oxygen uh, atoms on our planet uh, have uh, eight protons and eight neutrons. A very very small fraction one out of 1,000, 
have um, an extra neutron or two. So there's oxygen 16, the normal one, and there's oxygen 17 and oxygen 18, which are very rare. Okay. And if Thea would have just like sideswiped the moon, then they should have different ratios. But the moon and the earth have the same ratio of oh. oxygen 16 to oxygen okay. 17 and 18. So I guess that's that's the only reason they put, right? Yeah. Those ratios sort of, well, I don't know if they prove it, but they indicate mm-hmm. they might have happened differently than we think, than we yeah. thought before. Um, but other than that, we don't really know much about the history of the Earth. Because this happened like, it was a four billion years ago when the Earth was like really, really 6, young. 6,000, please. 6,000, yeah. of course. Get it right. Um, uh, no, they said 4.5 billion years ago. That's like right around when Earth started. Mm-hmm. So this is at the very beginning. Um, but then that would call into question, like, where did all of our water come from? Did it come from Thea? Or did it Thea, like, smash and vaporize yeah. all the water or knock it off our planet? So that's kind of a still an elusive question. The aliens come in. Did it bring life with it? Did And then... Um, and so, but basically, Theo was destroyed in that impact, is what they're well, thinking. No, it like co created. Well, I mean, it, like, it's not like there's some other planet out there. No, that we have to find. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. it's we are Theo. Whoa, that's a better bumper sticker. <laughs> we are Theo. We are Theo. Um, so that's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, it sort of changes the whole way we've, like, it changes the mythology of us, basically. Mm-hmm. So, so that's how we started, but how are we going to end? Well, that's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. There's this handy little chart that you can you can fill out three things about yourself, three really generic things, mm-hmm. and the chart will predict um, basically the probability of you dying of certain things at a certain age. By the time it reaches age 100, though, you're pretty much going to die of something. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's uh it's from the Center of Disease uh, Control and Prevention. So they've basically collected all the stats on everyone that's died. And how they died and what age, and it's just real simple, like um, the the parameters, the factors that they take note of are your age as of right now, your gender, and your race. And there's only four races. There's yeah, it's really sad. White, black, Asian, and, and native. native. Yeah. Which I don't see how. I mean, native could be native to anywhere. How is it possible that all the natives have the same probability of things? Yeah, it's, it's just. I mean, let alone like Asian and everybody else. Mm-hmm. But Reno and I both um, set up the dive, chart. We're going to yeah. die of some kind of circulatory cancer disease, that most makes likely. Sense. Yeah. Although interestingly, because you were you were wondering like, oh, when will it be like fifty fifty chance that I'll either die or live at what age? And yours was like in the seventies. Yeah. And mine was in the eighties, early eighties. Yeah. And that's I mean that's about the life expectancy that we've yeah. been told is males in like mid seventies and women live a little bit longer. Yeah. So that's accurate. The weird thing though with mine was that like the category of like you might die of an infection totally spiked up like right up there with cancer for a while. Well yeah I mean if you're going to die at the age of like 38 like it's not from a bad heart. But yours (laughs) didn't though like your infection one wasn't filled out it was weird. Yeah. I think because like the male was the only difference because we're like a year apart. Yeah. So It would be cool if they had like some more parameters and factors that you could um, plug into it to get a little more varied result or more accurate result of what might kill you. And it's sad because I was going to say, let's do mics, but you guys are only two years apart. So we're basically the same. Yeah, you're both going to be classified as male and white. Yeah. But do you want to find out how you're going to die? 
Go for it. Okay, here we go. So Mike um, is currently on, I gotta, 33, I have to find 34. Now. Hold on. Stall. Oh, okay. So basically, Mike's stats are going to be the same as Reno's except for a two-year age difference. So it may or may not end up the same in the end. <laughs> Can't find the link. Oh, no. Wait, go back up to the top because I know we got to it. I think it's this. It's just not loading. Yeah. Anyways. Well, you're we'll gonna, do it. There's a 50% chance you're going to die by your 70s, dude. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Okay. Male, okay. white, and currently 34. You're not 24? No. All right. Here we go. 34. Do, 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 wait, 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 wait. Okay. There we go. All right. So, uh, whoa. Cancer. cancer totally spiked. Then so infection, infection spiked back up. Infection around 40, 50 years. Ooh, infection, cancer, well, circulatory. circulatory. by 60. You have a 20, 30% chance of dying by the time you're 67. Oh, my gosh. 50% chance of dying by the time you're 76. And this is based off what? The statistics from the CDC. Yeah. Like, basically, like, if you are this ethnicity, this gender, and this age, your chances of dying of these... It looks like they've got, like, what, 10 different categories? Mm -hmm. External causes. So, like, a rock falling on your head. Yeah. That seemed to be a big one until you reached, like... Senior age. So basically, like statistically speaking, by the time you're in your 70s and 80s, it's more likely that you're going to die of circulatory problems than external causes. So that's, but it's kind of expect. Yeah. It's just, I think the thing about that's cool and slightly terrifying is watching the bar graphs change on each category of death or possibilities of death. It's a little creepy. Yeah, it'd be cool if they flushed it out a little bit and added on some extra things like, oh, you're religious. Oh, well, you're going to die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, oh. You drive a motorcycle. Oh, well. Right, then. you're a stunt double. Well, I guess, you know, <laughs> like, come on. External causes. Yeah. So anyways. Yeah. So that's how we might end. At age 100, we'll die of something. Well, actually, it says 100 plus at the end. So, so. Yeah, you'll probably live to be over 100. I don't think I will. I fucking hope so. I'll do enough yoga. All right. All right. Well, on that happy note of talking about death and planets colliding. Time to kill this episode. Yeah. Time to kill it. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening to Six Degrees of Rumination with your hosts, Serena Gorman. Nina Boyd. And the producer, Mike. Good night, everyone.